0: Good morning, family. Good morning. <clears throat> I don't know if we said it or not, but Leon and uh, Rebecca are out of town, um, out in Boston today. They are um, speaking at some churches out there, raising support, as well as uh, he has got the opportunity to to preach at a chapel service at Gordon College, which is a pretty big opportunity. Um, so think of Leon. I pray for him and Rebecca. They'll be back on Wednesday. Um, I hope you guys are doing well. I think it's about five degrees colder right down here. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to love when it was really cold outside because I could sit inside and just look outside. But now that I'm an adult and I have to heat a house, who who in here looks at the weather and sees how cold it is and they're like, oh, that's going to be expensive. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's crazy. And we got the heat started here at 8 o'clock this morning and it's still not very warm in here. Uh, we got some, some new cats. You guys are down visiting MacAb this morning. We're glad to have you. You probably didn't know I'd be teaching from the floor right here. <laughs> so I'm all up. I'm hey guys, what's up? All good. <laughs> uh, well guys, this morning we're going to be uh, finishing off John 6, which um, last week Nate did a, a fabulous job of taking us through the majority of a very long chapter. So I just have a little bit here at the end. And I love, even he and I were talking about it earlier. Um, we kind of saw uh, a long story play out and, um, and the results of the story that we talked about last week, uh, what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, we're going to talk about um, the defining declaration that, that Peter made and what happened with the rest of the disciples that were there that day. Um, so I even want to point out if you didn't get a chance to listen to Nate last week, if you weren't here, uh, we have a website. Um, Macav.com, and you can actually go to the the Celebrate link and listen to sermons. So if you haven't done that before and you'd like to, just wanted to again remind you to get the full grasp of Chapter 6 or even look at the other books that we've been in in John so far. You can go to the website and do that. Uh, But as we get started here, I just want to pray for us. Um, Father, we are so thankful uh, that you are on the throne and that you have called us uh, by your name. Um, if we believe in Jesus this morning. And Father, I want to pray that you would open our hearts to hear your word and that we would learn and we would be challenged um, by this declaration that Peter made. Um, Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. Help it to make sense. I know so often your scriptures uh, can be confusing, um, specifically the statement that that Jesus makes earlier in chapter 6. Help us to understand that and uh, that it would provide worship in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm actually going to read the text, and then we're going to jump right in. Um, So if you have a Bible, if you don't, raise your hand. We've got some Bibles in the back. We'd love for everybody to have a Bible so they can follow along. But I'm going to start in chapter 6, verse 60. And it says, uh, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one uh, can come to me unless the father enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Uh, You do not want to leave too, do you? You Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, uh, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. Ooh, I can't tell if I'm uh, shaking because I'm cold. Or <laughs> I don't think I'm nervous. I'm just cold. I'm like, Phew. let me uh, get it started here, though. So basically, what is this hard teaching that is referred to in, uh, in verse 60? Um, well, again, if you weren't with us last week, um, it was found earlier in verse 56. And Jesus basically said uh, to this whole crowd of people, there's a lot of people in this context here because he just fed 5,000 of them and most of them had followed him to this new location in Capernaum. And he says, um, basically, eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> And so, what is Jesus talking about here is uh is Jesus a cannibal? Is he a vampire <laughs> what um, let me put you at rest we're not uh We're not taking these words literally because uh, Jesus didn't mean them literally, but there was a lot of meaning behind these words that uh, on the surface we might not know. so let's dig in here a little bit. Um, uh, again, we saw a couple of verses earlier that Jesus actually refers to um, probably Numbers 11, 4 through 9, where it's a story of where uh, Moses, um, through God's power, basically, um, when Moses rains down uh, food, um, manna, for the Israelites who were in the desert wandering. And this bread is what sustained the Israelites as they, as they went through this desert uh, for 40 years. God provided bread for their daily sustenance, Right. And we also just saw this a couple of verses earlier when Jesus fed the 5,000. Because remember, they were out in the middle of nowhere. There's no stores around. The disciples were tripping. Like, where do we get food for all these people? Well, God provided it. Well, family, don't miss this. He didn't just do that uh, to fill their bellies once. He actually, I think he did that um, to teach about what does it mean to have bread from heaven. Um, what is this greater good, this greater bread, um, which he actually claims is his his flesh, his body? And uh, he also says, drink my blood. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Again, uh, in Genesis 4, uh, I'm sorry, 9, 4 through 5, um, God actually forbids drinking blood. Um, he says, that's not something for you as humans to do. And he talks about... Um, that in the worship service, as you, um, as you go through this process of sacrificing animals, and you have to drain the blood out a certain way, and before you eat the meat, you have to make sure to drain all of the blood out of it. He was very serious, like, don't eat blood, don't drink blood. <laughs> That's not what I'm calling you to. And so the Jews there that day were like, what is Jesus talking about? I thought, I thought God said, <laughs> you can't drink blood. Again, he's being, he's not being literal, um, But what's also proclaimed in that verse is that the reason why God says that is that because in the blood is the life of the the animal or the human. Um, uh, It's almost as if, uh, I know, I'm I'm a car guy, so I always make my analogies car-related, so bear with me. Um, But it's almost as if uh, the most important, the most vital fluid in the body is the blood. It causes us to to live. We've got plenty of med students here today that... um, can articulate that much more clearly than me. Uh, I'm a car guy, but I mean, if you drain the oil out of an engine, it has about a 60 second life expectancy. <laughs> it's going to die immediately. Um, and so, and so, God is almost reminding us, like the blood is what He taught the people. The blood is where the life is. Um, so remember that. Put that put that up here for a minute as we continue to talk through what Jesus was talking about here. So that's kind of some of the context. Um, that the Jews would have been thinking as he um, as he he makes this this bold statement. So again, uh, he's not being literal; he's rather being spiritual. Um, and uh, in verse sixty three, he actually he actually say or shares this. He says, "The Spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life." So he's saying, guys, don't interpret these liter- literally. There's a spiritual truth that I'm hitting home here. Um, And and in reality, I'm the fulfillment of the context that you guys are talking about. Um, My body, uh, which is bread, real bread, my blood, which in it is real life because it's God's life, um, is about to be broken and shed for you. Do you believe? Do you believe that I'm God? is basically what Jesus is saying through these statements. Um, so he's being spiritual and he's connecting all of these dots um, that the Israelites would have known about. So what was the result? Did, uh, did they get it? So as he builds on this, this previous, um, this knowledge, oh, this is uh, um, something I almost forgot about, but uh, Augustine of Hippo, he was a saint. He was a faithful teacher of God's word back in the third century. And uh, there was a, a, a statement uh, in Latin, um, Creed et Manducasti, which was commonly said amongst the, the people of God during that time. And uh, it basically means believe and thou hast eaten. And so this was like a common saying that you would say to one another. And it almost helps us to interpret, it, interpret this passage. Believe and thou hast eaten. So it's not that I have eaten <laughs> the the body and blood of Christ and now I receive life, but he's equating the, the eating to believing. And, um, and that's exactly what Jesus was talking about spiritually. Um, and now family, even as I think about that, that reality, um, the gospel comes to mind. The reality that God... Um, he came to us uh, as a human, um, but he was also God. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about um, the different uh, cults that are out there that subtract one of those two qualities. You usually subtract that, that Jesus was actually God. Um, but I remember when I was uh, um, first coming to Christ, when I first started to realize uh, what the gospel truly was when I was in, uh, a college student at Michigan State, um, and it just made so much sense to me to realize that, A, I was sinful. And that apart from the help of God, there was nothing I could do um, to escape or to pay for my sins by myself. But yet that's how I was living. I was living in such a way that uh, that I could pay for him. And that one day when I stood before God um, and there was an accounting for the things that I had done, um, that is if God would just look at me and say, well, you know, you're a nice guy. I see that you're you're kind to people. I see that you, you know, try to help people wherever you can. That's okay. That's, that's okay, my my friend. <laughs> uh, the man created in my image. Yeah, just come on in to heaven. It'll be cool. And that's kind of how I live my life, as if God had my back, even though I didn't really know him. Uh, and it was basically as another... A college student who sat me down and shared the gospel with me, and I saw for the first time how Jesus actually fit into the story of God. I mean, I'd been to church before. I I had heard a lot about Jesus in church, but it wasn't until he sat down and explained, no, actually, Jesus' body broken for you on the altar of the cross is what pays for your sin. It's nothing that you can do, nothing that you can attain by yourself. And uh, and again, coupled with the Holy Spirit, it, a light came on. And it was like, oh my word, the Bible makes so much sense all of a sudden. <laughs> this book isn't just for me to study as a textbook and then be a good person my whole life, like my parents had taught me. No. <laughs> this book is a spiritual key to understanding it. Uh, and it's belief that Jesus died for my sins. And the Holy Spirit illuminates it all and it makes sense. Um so family, that's what he was proclaiming uh, to the disciples when he said, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. So when we go on to 62 and uh, 61 and 62, aware of this, as his disciples were grumbling uh, about this. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Uh, so what it, when he says, does this offend you? What that re- literally says in the Greek, it says, um, does this cause you to stumble? Um, or it can also, does this cause you to sin? If if they don't believe now, <laughs> they won't believe when Jesus is glorified. And that's kind of what he's saying to him. He said, guys, let's look at this again. I see that you're grumbling when I declare uh, this about my body and my blood, but what if you saw me as God? What if you saw me ascend to where I was before and it was really clear to you, <laughs> um, well, if you don't believe now, you're not going to believe then. Um, because the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Again, if you're relying on your own understanding or what you think I'm going to be about, or uh, you missed it. And, and belief and spirit family. Um, so verses 64 and 66, um, I'm not going to read them again just to save time. But the spirit and belief are, are the couple uh, that, that, that we're looking for here. And that leads to eternal life. So why would Jesus expose this massive crowd of people's disbelief? Uh, it doesn't seem like a very good model for church growth to me. I mean, a lot of people would be, Jesus, you've you've really, (laughs) you've come. (laughs) There's 6,000 people around you, maybe more. What a great great church we got here. And then Jesus says this statement, and as we're going to see in a minute, all of them but 12 leave. (laughs) What kind of model is this? this, (laughs) Should we be taking notes here? (laughs) Why did he do this, family? Because Jesus was more concerned about individuals um, worshiping him out of true knowledge and true worship, which is spirit and truth, than people just following, and people just thinking he was a good guy, or thinking he provided food. Um, and he's also exposing the reality that my father actually knows um, and gives, truth, gives life, he gives belief to people. Um, and we don't know what happened to those 5,000 people that left that day. Maybe, maybe um, a couple of years later, one of the disciples preached to them, and it all made sense, and the Holy Spirit um, pricked their hearts, and they believed. We don't know what happens with these 5,000 people, but as we see here, um, um, they left. And uh, I think I pushed a button by accident. Sorry, guys. So now we have John 6, 67 through 69. So we're working through this passage. The, uh, the 5,000 have left, again, because they um, they don't believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe um, in his words. They can't understand them because they're spirit and truth. And he says to the disciples, this is where we're going to focus, do you want to leave too? Um, and Simon Peter, if you guys... Um, I still knew to the gospel. Simon Peter is kind of always the answer man. I think he was the, the one that had the most zealous personality that stood up first. Yeah! And you see this throughout his times, when, um, even when Jesus um, calls him out later and he sins um, by denying Christ. But Simon Peter is the first to answer, and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And so keep in mind what we've already seen. As a church, uh, we've been going through the book of John for a while now, and these are some of the landmarks that the disciples have seen um, throughout the ministry of Jesus. They've been there for uh, some of the context of that statement they just made. The twelve witnessed Jesus do his first miracle at the wedding of Cana, and they believed in him. If you noticed, um, I think Eric was preaching on that passage, but no one else really knew the miracle had happened, but the disciples were keyed into it. And John, the author, says, and we believed. So there's, a, there's an essence of belief starting there. And then they, Jesus offered uh, living water to the Samaritan woman, to the surprise of the disciples. After all, it was a Samaritan woman. Um, we had a couple of sermons um, diving into the Samaritan culture. And uh, we actually saw, um, as, the, as Jesus allowed the disciples to, to partake in reaping the harvest, which was this whole community of Samaritans that the women went back and reached, um, for, and they put their faith in Jesus. So they had real practical ministry experience. Um, they watched as Jesus healed a lame man at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath. Uh, Leon took us through that. And they just witnessed Jesus feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. So they, they've been coming along now for these six, these six chapters. Um, they're starting to understand who Jesus is. The Bible tells, tells us other, other places, specifically um, after Jesus is actually um, crucified, that the disciples saw him again, and that's where it all made sense. And the Spirit really filled their minds, and like, okay, we get everything now. But we see this, uh, this powerful declaration so what are the disciples saying here? It says, you have eternal life. Um, your words have eternal life. Well, the disciples would have obviously known the Old Testament, and they would have known um, that God's words um, are eternal life. And they probably might have even thought of Deuteronomy 8.3. Um, it says, and he humbled you and let, your hunger, uh, and let you hunger and fed you with manna. Which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, um, that He might make you know that the man does not live on bread alone, but by but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Uh, and that verse just reminds us that uh, we live not necessarily on food, as this passage has told us, but by the words of God. And so the disciples um, declare through Peter uh, these words that you shared today these words that you shared with the disciples that caused them to leave, um, we see them as God's words. We see them as words of eternal life. Um, so we, we're with you, Jesus. <laughs> we're starting to get this. We think that your words uh, are from the Lord because you are God. That's what they say next. You are the Holy One of God. Uh, which again, you can read over that and say, oh, sweet. But Holy One was kind of this term designated for uh, God in the Old Testament, the Holy One of Israel. It was repeated over and over again. And it wasn't actually used um, very much in the New Testament at all. This is one of the few places where um, terminology like that, obviously it doesn't say the Holy One of Israel, it says the Holy One of God. Um, uh, but I think it's them declaring that you're God, you're, you're the God of the Old Testament. We're starting to get this. Um, and so, uh, actually, I'll go back to the text. So he says, um, we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And for some reason, I thought that Jesus said something after that, but um, in, re- in, in affirming them, um, but he said a minute ago that, well, guys, these words uh, are from God. Um, and so what, what, do we, what do we do with the Judas part? It says, then Judas relied, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He met Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. So in parentheses, we have John's commentary. But what Jesus said is in verse 70. And uh, so this this translation, it says, one of you is a devil. That's always kind of, it's confused me a little bit. Uh, Because that makes me wonder, is there more than one devil? (laughs) But in actuality, as I looked into it more, um, that that translation stems from actually an error. Uh, In the King James Version, where they took a noun, that because it didn't have an article, they would have thought it would be indefinite, a devil, versus definite, the devil. But that noun, um, scholars now see, doesn't need an article to make it definite. And so, The translations of the Bible are starting to change, but the devil is more of an appropriate term. Okay, so now I got you, Jesus. You're talking, he's not just a devil, but the devil. Well, wait a minute. I thought it was Judas. (laughs) Are you being literal again here? No, uh, again, Jesus is not saying that Judas himself is the devil standing right here next to him. Uh, it's almost like is he a shapeshifter? I don't know if you know if you guys watch the X Men. Um, Mystique, Mystique is uh, one of one of my favorites there, who can actually like turn into whoever she wants. She's a, she's a shapeshifter. That's her her uh, special power. So was Jesus just Judas kind of like body that was standing there and you know Jesus Satan just kind of shapeshifted into her and um, no uh, I would say that Judas was not neutral in the matter. And we see later in John uh, 12, 6, he did not say this because um, he cared about the poor. And what the context here is, um, uh, Judas was a little upset that they were using expensive perfume to anoint Jesus. And, uh, and so John's commentary here, he didn't care about the poor. He was a thief. <laughs> uh, he, as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to it, whatever was put into it. And so Judas... We see, at least there in John, um, he was along for uh, the riot a lot of the times. Uh, Judas, um, it's pretty clear that he did not believe <laughs> that he actually, um, his God may have been money, that he cared more about uh, substance of life, and then he put Jesus on on the outside. You know, I'm hanging with the disciples, I'm hanging with Jesus, um, and uh Uh, But Judas himself uh, did not believe, Um, which brings me to the point, uh, this is a a statement that uh, actually Eric used in a sermon a few years ago um, when he was preaching on Ephesians 2, Um, but there's no free life entrepreneurs. And what that means, guys, is that um, you can't basically walk through life neutral. Uh, You're either serving God or you're serving Satan. You might not know it, (laughs) but you're either doing one or the other. Um, there's no middle man that just kind of says, you know what, I don't, I don't buy Christianity, and so I, I, I'm opting out of that. I'm just going to live my life the way I want and do, do it my way. And you know what? I'm set. I'm okay. Well, I, I hate to break it to you, but the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that you either serve God or you're serving Satan. And so, um, no free life entrepreneurs... Uh, Judas is called out here. So, family, um, where are we this morning? That's uh, kind of the the point of culmination. Do we um, do we sometimes buy into this free life entrepreneurship? Or maybe if you're not a believer here today, um, do you? Is that something that uh, you've believed your whole life? Well, God might be challenging that. Um, Think about these words that Jesus shared; these hard teachings. Um, would you would you put your faith in Christ? Are there other gods in your life? Um, are you like Judas, who um, just had this fondness for money? I think of myself when I was in high school. Again, I had heard bits and pieces of the gospel. My god was definitely my car. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, I had a I had a old muscle car that I spent all of my resources, all of my money went into it. Um, Every day after school, I would go home and I'd work on it. I mean, I still had a social life. I wasn't like weird, but but I did spend a lot of time working on this car. I mean, it got to the point where oftentimes my mom would call from in the house, you know, dinner's ready, and I'd get mad at her. Like, no, I'm staying out here. I'm working on my car. Um, And... that. And I raced everybody in town, and I wanted to make it known that my car was fast. Um, And so God showed me um, when I became a Christian that that there was another God in my life that I had to deal with. Um, So family, are there gods in our lives, um, whether it be cars, whether it be money, whether it be our identity, um, being in something opposed from Christianity? Um, Ask yourselves that question today. Um, Even as we take communion in a minute, uh, that's something that God... Uh, wants us to come to the table with, um, and you can ask him, Lord, I'm not sure. Is this an is this a god in my life? Is this an idol? Uh, he'll show you through his spirit. Trust him. Will you stand with Peter and the other ten and proclaim Christ? Family, we uh, we are in a in a very crazy community, as as Eric put it earlier, uh, but we're here uh, because we we believe that Christ changes lives. Um, Will you stand and proclaim that? Um, Will you believe, as as Eric said, that we believe that's really the answer (laughs) um, to a lot of the the problems in our community? Um, Do you believe that? And will you proclaim it? Um, By faith, we have the Holy Spirit to assist us in this process, family. Uh, It's not on your shoulders. It's not on my shoulders to go out. and. uh, I I pray that if you hear anything this morning, that the Holy Spirit convicts you of truth. Uh, it's not about how good of a speaker I am, that's for sure. Eternal life starts today. And this is something that I really wanted to close on. Um, what was the offer that Jesus made to his disciples? He made the offer of eternal life. Family, I don't want us to, to buy into the lie that eternal life starts when we die. If you're a believer in Christ today, eternal life starts when you accepted Jesus. And so... Um, What a difference. (laughs) It's kind of get through my life and and then, oh, cool, I got eternal life when I die. No. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, eternal life has started for you. Um, And if not, um, actually it started as well, but (laughs) you won't be uh, with the Father for that eternal period. You'll be away from him. And so, family, uh, this causes me to uh, reflect a little bit on um, uh, the crisis um, in Haiti, that we um, Eric mentioned earlier, we prayed for family again. If we if we are a community of faith, uh, we need to be concerned with going around what's going on around the world. And so, if you didn't get the email this past week, if you're not on our email list, by the way, um, please get your email to me. Whether you can write it on the card and put it in the offering. Um, or you can just give it to me afterwards. We'd love for you to stay connected if you want to stay connected. Um, but we want to take the offering uh, from service today, uh, all of it, and give it to a ministry in Haiti that we know and is reputable. And so um, so the, the, the offering time is going to be a little different today. We're actually going to watch a short video clip um, set to a song um, as, we, as we give um, to the Lord um, for our brothers and sisters in Haiti Um, So we're going to move into that in just a minute. But uh, before we do that, let me just pray uh, for the offering. And then after we do that, we're going to have communion. Mm. Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you this morning that uh, life is in um, you. True life is in you. And Lord, I know uh, it may seem funny to to say something like, in your body and in your blood. uh, But Lord, those are extraordinarily loaded uh, terms. Uh, Father, would we receive that today? Uh, May we walk with you. Father, would you purify us as we walk with you? Um, And would you give us joy uh, in the reality that eternal life starts the moment we accept Christ? And so Lord, I do pray for Uh, This offering, I pray that you would give us generous hearts as we give to uh, those in need in Haiti. Um, And Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters that are fighting um, to believe in you uh, in such a um, hard place right now. Father, would people come to Christ, we pray. Would you empower those your servants that survived and are proclaiming your truth. Um, Lord, we love you and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.